0: Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. We preached three weeks ago on verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. We talked about Abraham, the faith of Abraham, the person of faith. He's the father of faith. We find the word faith 245 times in our New Testament. I mentioned at the outset of our series of messages, there's only a second message in our series in regards to faith in action, that faith is the substance of verse number one, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It was a prayer that I prayed 50 years ago or thereabouts when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I prayed a prayer by faith. I believe that Jesus was rose, died on the cross. He was buried and rose again the third day. And Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. My eternity was changed when I exercised faith and, and received Christ as my Savior. Your eternity was changed and you went from heaven to, uh, went from uh, on your way to hell to on your way to heaven. All by salvation is by faith alone. God says we were to walk by faith as well. I think about the fact that I was a 25-year-old kid when we came from Illinois and uh, uh, came out here and to 40 years ago this, uh, this spring. We came from Illinois to Connecticut here. And it was 25 years. It's hard to believe. How many were in the bu- building here the first uh, Sunday we had in our building? 1999, it's be 24. Look at how many hands. Not very many. Uh, the first s- Sunday of the year, uh, September of 25 years ago would be that we built this church and God blessed in a great way. We walked by faith. God calls us to walk by faith. Verse number six is the key verse of the entire chapter. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please him, the Bible says. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We said in the outset of our beginning messages that true biblical faith always involves Action. And our theme for the year is faith in action. Of course, James 2:17, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And f- action necessitates the practicing of faith. Uh, action necessitates the practicing of faith. Uh, James 2:18 says, "Yea, a man may say he hath faith and hath not, and hath, and and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee, thee my faith by my works. Faith always has works." Faith, action necessitates the practicing of faith. Uh, requires, faith requires spiritual exercise. I went to my doctor a week and a half ago, and he had the audacity to tell me I needed to exercise. I thought, mind your own business, of course. And uh, he, he told me I needed to join an exercise class, and I'm still contemplating it uh, whether I'm going to do that or not. But it, faith needs to be practiced, of course. And I want to give you four uh, practical ways or kinds of exercising faith or ways we can exercise our faith according to this passage of scripture before us, verses 1 through 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. And there's a progression. We read, now faith is a substance. The great definition of faith is found in verse number 1, biblical faith. Now faith is a substance or the, the mutual realizing of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so we see a progression. We go from the world being created by, the, by faith, by, by the word of God, of course, and then we go right to Abel, and we're going to Enoch, and there's a progression as we go through this practice. I want to give you faith in what pra- practice and practicing faith involves. First of all, verse number 4, which we begin. Notice the faith of Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and he being dead, several thousand years later, yet speaketh. And I want you to consider for a few moments here this morning here, as we're talking about the subject of faith this year, a worshiping faith. Abel had a worshiping faith. If we go back to Genesis chapter 4, you need not turn there, but in the process of time it came to pass, verse 3 of Genesis 4, that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord, And we get to verse 4, and, of course, Cain and Abel are the first sons of uh, Adam and Eve. And Abel, he also brought forth the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Abel had the faith to believe that God's acceptable sacrifice was what he required, not what Cain and Abel thought was acceptable. In other words, Cain brought a, bloodless, uh, Cain brought a b- bloodless sacrifice. Abel brought a bloody sacrifice. Of course, he, he slew the first of his, firstborn of his uh, sheep. Of course, the firstlings. Uh, and uh, a tr- here's the truth: worship to God must be done in God's way, not man's way. Uh, there must be. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. The Bible says. Jesus said in John chapter eight. Of course, we must worship uh, the way He calls us to worship. So faith involves a worshiping faith, of course, and uh, worshiping faith involves two things. First of all, it says, verse number four, but by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Notice he offered a worthy sacrifice. Uh, a worthy sacrifice. Uh, it, was a, it was a sacrifice, of course. He gave it the best of his lamb. The song says, give it the best to your master. Give it the strength of your youth. And uh, we need to give a sacrifice well-pleasing well to the Lord. Philippians chapter 4 talks about a sacrifice acceptable to the Lord. We can sacrifice acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. But not only did Abel give a separ- acceptable sacrifice, but I want you to notice uh, Abraham, and we'll look at him in more detail in a few moments here. as We draw towards the, the message, but a worshiping faith involves a sacrifice, a worthy sacrifice, a God-ordained sacrifice, but In Genesis 14, you need not turn there for time's sake, but if you go to Genesis, uh, or chapter 7 of Hebrews, turn back two pages in your Bible, if you would, please. We won't have time to do this in detail, but I want you to notice the story of Melchizedek, starting in verse number 7, or verse number 1 of chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, this story is relayed in first found in Genesis chapter fourteen, and uh, where Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham goes after his cousin Lot, who's been taken by the five kings of uh, uh, Chelalemor, I think it's called, and uh, they, they 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 plunder Sodom and Gomorrah before Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, and. With 318 men, Abraham goes and uh, rescues uh, uh, Lot, his cousin, of course. And, and it says in verse number two, to also, Abraham gave a tenth part of all, that being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. We don't know much about this Melchizedek. He's one of the most mysterious characters in the Bible. He has no, no lineages given, of course. And he. He, uh, he's the king of Salem, he's the king of peace, he's the king of righteousness, he's a priest, he's a king, and uh, both, but we don't know much about him. And, and uh, Abraham gave a tenth of all that he had to him in gratification. In fact, if you just glance down and look at verse number 10, verse number 4, rather, it talks about Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils. Again, in verse number 5, it talks about a tithe and having a commandment to take a tithe. Again, in verse number 6, you see the word, the tithes of Abraham. Again, in verse number 8, the tithes, received tithes. And uh, verse number 9, again, you see the word tithe twice in verse number 9. I want you to notice that a uh, worshipping faith involves a worthy sacrifice, but it involves a worshipping tithe. Now, I want to take time out here to give you uh, three forms of tithing, of course. First, uh, the first two are Old Testament, and uh, the tithing is Covenant. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse number 22 to 29, thou shalt surely. Verse number 22 says, thou shalt surely tithe all the increase of thy seed in that field that bringeth forth year by year. The Jews were commanded under covenant to tithe the tenth of all that they received. Well, we're not Jews in this room here, of course, and so we're not underneath the covenant. There's the covenant to tithe is covenant. Then there's a tithe as legalistically giving. And Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 23. Won't you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites? Brother David was talking about hypocrites this morning in uh, Sunday school class, of course. Or I'm sorry, Brother Pastor Greg was talking about uh, hypocrites in the morning service. For you pay tithe of a mint and mint and, and cumin and have omitted the weightier things of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done not to leave the others undone. There's a tithe, the co- Old Testament tithe of covenant. There's tithe of legalism. And uh, but here, here's what I want you to know this morning, I have to preach the Bible of course tithing today is totally voluntary, tithing is not we don't find tithing per se in the New Testament, Tithing's not for uh, today, Tithes, the, the common tithing legal, legal tithe, tithing from legalism was from the law of course and we know that Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth and so we're not under the law but every preacher knows this truth, when you talk about money uh, Pastor Greg used it in an eight fifteen service. People get funny, of course. And uh, uh, what it's interesting about tithing. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter three, if you would, please, for a minute here. Proverbs chapter three. This is a good time to interject here, as you say, "Oh, there he goes. He's talking about money again." And uh, I talked about money in the first message, of course. The Bible says, "Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." And. There's a principle about tithing, of course, about, uh, and you don't have to give a penny. You don't have to give a tithe to the local church or to anywhere else for that matter. But, uh, you know, I think we're we're under grace. And uh, I I find this to be the case that, uh, not always, but there's people that say, uh, I I used to teach the tithe as uh, uh, pertinent for today. I no longer do that, of course. And uh, because uh, I can't find a New Testament verse that tells us we ought to tithe, that gives 10%. I see a principle throughout the word of God, of course. And uh, it's, it's, I had to be careful when I say this here, but uh, us Christians that experience the grace of Christ, the grace of God, uh, deep down in our hearts, sometimes I've been asked the question, it's never verbalized, but how much do I have to give to the Lord? You don't have to give anything. He, he gave it all. We give him our heart. We give him, he wants our heart; is what he wants. But I think in that question, how much do I have to give to the Lord? We don't give him our leftovers. We give him our best. Amen. And uh, the Word of God says in James, uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. We like to quote these verses: Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. We love those verses, but we usually stop there after verse number six, and we apply this principle to the to our lives and, you know, tr- to trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. It says, be not wise, verse number seven, in thine own heart, eyes, for fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the, notice, the first fruits of all thine increase. And uh, the Bible says, honor the Lord with thy first fruits of all thine increase. Going back to the ceremonial or the covenant tithe and going back to the tithe of legalism, of course, and, and uh, uh, those, tithe, those are both under the law, of course. and uh, But Moses, or rather, Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek 400 years before the law was ever given. We see the sacrifice going back to Abel in Genesis chapter 4. He gave it a more acceptable sacrifice long before, 2,000 years before the law was ever given. We see the principle of first fruits, giving your best to the master, of course, and uh, there's the principle of giving your uh, best to the Lord. Abel gave a more excellent, worthy sacrifice than Cain. It seems to me that if we've been saved by grace, this is, this is me, Marty Schott, speaking, and that the least I could give is a t- tith or a tenth of what I've received. And we could argue and we could say, well, is that out of your gross or is that your net? Uh, I'll let you decide. You're not under the law. Christ is the law to everyone that believeth. But I think there's not only a covenant tithe, I don't think I don't think there's not there's a legalistic tithe or a tithe of legalism. We're not underneath those, but I think there's a, a worship tithe and a, a worship tithe that we give out of a free will offering to the Lord. It's a, it's by faith that we give that, and uh, so it's a worshiping faith. And so uh, practicing involves a, a worshiping tithe involves a sacrificing worship and a giving giving faith as well. But then go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse number 5. We see the, the worship of Abel, of course. And uh, he gave a worthy sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice. He gave a worthy tithe, a worshiping tithe, rather. And then uh, like Abraham. But we get to verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated. I love that. Some people mock the, the rapture, the coming rapture that the Bible speaks about. Here Enoch was translated that he should not see death. and was not because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Notice a walking faith this morning. A second type of faith, a way we can exercise our faith by walking every day. In Genesis chapter 5 verse 22 through 24 it speaks about Enoch and his uh, lineage or his genealogy. Uh, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 300 years to begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 days or 365 years rather and Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him Enoch didn't see death he had a walking faith and uh, oh I wish uh, uh, pray for Miss Peggy Isley again we've already prayed for her a couple times this morning here Hopefully, maybe she's in heaven even as we speak. I I think she's probably still at Litchfield Woods and lying in bed waiting to take her last breath, pray for her. uh, But uh, I'd rather go by way of rapture than rupture, I've said. I'd rather go by way of being translated than I'd say, pray even so, come Lord Jesus. But Enoch walked with God every day, and uh, he had an everyday walk. And I want you to think about that. Every single day he walked with God for 365 years. Well, there's 365 days in a year. And uh, to walk with God every day, I want to encourage, encourage you to read your Bible every single day. I'd like to say that Enoch read his Bible every single day as he walked with God, but he didn't have a Bible. Can you imagine not having a Bible and meditating upon God and, and uh, walking with God every day? He had an everyday walk. I want to encourage you, in a life of faith, you've got to walk every single day. And some days are not as good as other days. And some days are, you have bad days and you have good days. And, and you have uh, the days where... Uh, everything goes wrong in days where things might go pretty good. But uh, every day we walk with God, of course, and everyday walk is part of walking by faith. But not only did he have an everyday walk, but in verse number 5 it says that he pleased God. And verse number 6, of course, says that without faith it is possible to please him. And so he had, not only did he have an everyday walk, but he had an enjoyable walk. An enjoyable walk. And the song says, and he walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Psalm 16 verse eleven, Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it's a wonderful thing to walk with God, of course. And uh I was we were with our neighbors a couple weeks ago, our next door neighbors, and uh uh, they, their son went to Vassar College over in Poughkeepsie, New York. I don't know if anybody's been there, of course. I've been there a couple times. And Vassar College, I uh, says, oh, did you know who founded Vassar College? Of course, it was Johnny Vassar. Johnny Vassar, of course, was uh, not, was born in 1813, uh, and he died in 1878. But at 25 years old, he was he was a hellion. He was just doing his own thing, living his own life, and he was... Uh, tavern, bar, bar, carousing person, of course, and he went to a revival meeting, and like uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, and like John Newton, he got gloriously saved and converted at 25 years of age. He became one of the greatest soul winners of the 19th century, of course, and, and led uh, hundreds of people to the Lord, not only in Poughkeepsie, but all around the country, of course. He was in World War, he was in uh, the Civil War, rather. He was captured by General Sherman of the, uh, or rather, uh, uh no, help me out. The the, the cavalry officer Stewart, Jeb Stewart, there it is, just came to my head, and uh, he was he's was a Union man, and uh, but he, he he was brought in front of Jeb Stewart, and he's caught behind enemy lines, of course, and uh, he was giving out gospel tracts, in this 1863, and uh, he talked to Jeb Stewart about, it, and he says, he, and of course, the penalty for being a, a spy was. Uh, uh, automatic death by firing squad, of course, and uh, he talked to him about receiving Jesus Christ as his Savior, and uh, Jeb Stewart had compassion on him and let him go, <laughs> and uh, he went and founded, of course, uh, the college at Vassar College, and uh, one of the greatest, happiest soul winners you ever made in your life was, uh, he w- had a great walk with God, and he a great testimony, to read the life of Johnny Vassar, of course. E- Enoch lived a life of faith, he had an everyday walk, he had an enjoyable walk, but then who, and we have Abel who had a worshiping faith. He, had a, a, he offered a worthy sacrifice. Abraham offered a worthy worshiping tithe. But then we get to verse number seven. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved to fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah, ark building Noah, he was... We see that the uh, Bible says, Noah prepared an ark. We can read it in less than 10 seconds, but it took him over a century to build that ark. I've been to Kentucky, and I don't know how many people have been to the replica of the ark. That's a mammoth boat there in uh, Kentucky there, of course. And uh, uh, he spent 100 hundred years building the, the ark, of course. And I want you to notice a witnessing faith. Noah witnessed for uh, something it a working faith. But uh, not only was it a working faith, it was a witnessing faith. Can you imagine people asking, what are you doing? He's building a boat in the middle of the desert, of course. I mean, think about it. It's never rained. They don't even know what rain is. They don't know what a flood is because they haven't had rain. There was a canopy around the earth and so forth. And uh, before the flood and uh, natural wetness and dew uh, in the morning came, of course, and there was no need for rain. And he he said, God's going to send a flood. And uh, it's, what, what, are you, what are you doing, Noah? And he says, I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat? And I'm building an ark, because God's going to send judgment. And we have a strange message. Noah, Noah had a strange message, but he preached it by faith. I want you to notice he was motivated by three things. He was motivated, first of all, by, the Bible says, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, was moved with fear. He was motivated by fear. Bible says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number Twenty-seven and disappointed man wants to die, but after this is a judgment, there is a judgment after death. Everyone in this room, you're going to die. If you use the illustration, I've done well over 500 funerals, but I've done less than 100 weddings. Why is that? Well, the answer is real simple. Everybody dies, but only a handful of people get married. Comparatively speaking, of course, we we'll probably have a could have a funeral by the end of this week, maybe or next week, uh, for Miss Peggy. Of course, we're all going to die. But after this, the Bible says there's a judgment. And there's a motivation by fear. The Bible says in Jude 23, Jude 22, and some have compassion making a difference. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Judgment is coming. Hell is real, I want you to know. I'm not happy to say that, but uh, I'd be a false preacher if I were to tell you this is not a hell. And uh, in order to be... Many people think they're going to heaven, of course, but they don't think they're going to hell. Before you get to, get, get to go to heaven, you've got to realize you're lost before you ever get saved. And uh, you must be born again, Jesus said, to a very religious man named Nicodemus, of course. And Noah, motivated by fear, built an ark, of course. Uh, the Bible says, flee from the wrath to come. And there is wrath to come. And there is a, a, a crisis, eternity, forever and ever and ever, all based on faith. I've seen many people that never exercise faith in Jesus Christ, and they die. And they said, "I don't believe, of course." And uh, their lack of faith—that one decision. Two thieves on the cross, one on the right hand, one on the left hand of Christ, and one said, "Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom." The Lord said, "Today thou shalt be with me in paradise." What was the difference? Faith. Faith makes a difference, but sometimes people need to be motivated by fear that the judgment is coming, that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. But not only was Noah motivated by uh, faith, uh, his faith, his witness faith was motivated by fear, but it was monumental in its size. The Bible says he built an, uh, he prepared an ark. That ark, going back to Genesis, we find out it was 450 foot long, 75 foot wide, and 45 foot high. It was a massive barge. And the size of that project was monumental, of course. We have a monumental project, of course, and that's to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm looking at our mission board. We only have about 19 mission lights on the board right now, missionaries in Australia and and, uh, India and, and Russia and Africa and South America and North America and a couple in Europe, of course. And uh, God says, go into all the world, preach the gospel of every creature. Jesus, when he saw the multitude, the massive size of what we've got to do, we need faith. He says, when he saw the multitude, he moved with compassion upon them, and because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We have a great monumental task ahead of us, of course, Uh, and it's called the the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, and baptize those that believe, of course. And so we have this monumental size. We need faith to a monumental task of size that we need to uh, work and live it by faith. And we're motivated by fear. But thirdly, uh, Noah lived to be 950 years of age, but he built the boat for some say 100 years, some say 120 years. He built the ark. And he maintained his faith throughout his life. And I want you to think of this for a minute here. Uh, uh, faith is not just a, a one-day thing, a one-take-a-pill-and-you-got-faith. One, it's a living faith. It's a faith that we have to have throughout our entire life, of course, and uh, a faith to trust God, of course, in the good days and the bad days, of course. And, and uh, Paul said it this way in... 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And so for, think about that. For 120 years, he kept the faith. For 120 20 years, he, and then, then thereafter, uh, we mentioned in our first message about Abraham that probably Abraham lived with Noah uh, before Noah died, of course. And the uh, book of Jasher tells us that. It's not a biblical book. But it's reverence in the Bible twice. And uh, in the book of Joshua, it says that that Abraham lived when he was a boy with, with Noah, of course. And uh, uh, whether it's true or not, we don't know. But we know that God accredited the book in two places in the Old Testament as uh, valid history. And so we're to maintain, uh, we're to have a witnessing faith throughout our entire life. We're to, uh, even though we have a monumental task, and we need to realize that there's uh, the hell to shun, judgments coming, and heaven to gain. And, uh, Uh, hell to to shun, of course. But we get to verse number eight, back to our text that we started with a few weeks ago. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out into a place which he should afterwards receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Uh, Notice a willing faith, a willing faith. Abraham said, here, my Lord, send me. I want you to notice two things about this willing faith that Abraham had when he was called out into a place which he should afterwards receive for inheritance, obeyed. It was, he obeyed immediately. It was uh, immediate obedience. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears, uh, Samuel said to the Lord as he spoke to him. S- Abraham went, went out not knowing where he was supposed to go from Ur of the Chaldees, how he was supposed to get there, when he was supposed to, uh, uh, not knowing when Lord would give him the inheritance of the land and, and why he was doing it. He went out not knowing a lot of things. The Bible says we walk by faith. Like Jesus, uh, uh, we are to do, Hebrews 10, 7, I am come to do thy will, O God. And uh, we need to just obey immediately when God calls us to do something. And then verse number 17, notice not only a willing faith, but a, an incredible action. Verse number 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up, uh, offered up I, uh, Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. He that received the promises offered up, is, uh, when Abraham was 100 years of age, or over 100 years of age, probably 117, he offered his teenage son, we believe, on the altar of Mount Moriah, of course. God said, take that only son, thy only begotten son, and uh, his one and only son, and uh, offer him up. He was willing... Uh, Abraham was willing to give it all, something uh, completely trusting his God, of course. Biblical faith. So what is biblical faith? Here's, here's the punchline of the, the message, hopefully, here, verse number one, uh, or I mean point number one, rather. So biblical faith is back to verse number one. Now faith is a substance of things, so forth, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is believing when I don't see it. I think of how God blessed our church and uh, I look back on it now, and it's just amazing how God worked. And uh, I don't have time to chronicle our history How how God gave us a little building in 1987. We moved it in 1986, January 1st, to a little building. We had 17 people in our first service in, a, in an auditorium of a size smaller than our foyer. And, uh, a, year and a, two, a year and a half later, we bought that building for $100,000. And then God blessed, and three or four years later, we bought a field next door to our church on West Street for Hundred fifty thousand so dollars, one point four acres. We we're trying to build on, 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 on two point four acres of land a two hundred seat auditorium. And God, in the meantime, had this property out here for us. And Lord blessed, and we, we uh, by faith, we we bought this land. We didn't have the money. We bought it, and uh, uh, then we came out and stuck our shovels in the ground and built our building without a mortgage, without a, uh, a denomination, without money. And Lord blessed, of course. But uh, all along, and I don't say this for any boast or brag, of course, but uh, uh, I saw God give us this building here and God give us this property and so forth. God's blessed in a great way, of course. But that was 25 years ago we, we moved into this building. Uh, seeing things so far off, of course. Uh, uh, if you can see it with your physical eyes, it's not in faith, but it's by spiritual eyes that we, we walk by the Lord. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God, of course. I believe that even though I've never seen it. I know heaven is real. So biblical faith is believing when I don't see it. Secondly, it's verse number 8. We've already read verse 8 again by faith. Abraham is obeying when I don't understand it. It's obeying when I don't understand it. And uh, uh, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken in Genesis chapter 12, verse number 4, of course. So so obeying when I don't understand it is believing when I don't see it. But thirdly, faith is verse number 4 with Abel again. It's giving... When I don't have it, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. In second Corinthians chapter 8, verse two and three, the Bible talks about the, church, the churches at Macedonia, how of the great trial of their affliction and the deep poverty uh, that uh, they gave beyond their ability, and, uh, they gave to, according to their ability, and yea, and beyond their ability, they, were, they freely gave, of course. And they gave, even though they didn't have it, it was a sacrifice, a happy herd that they gave. From a willing heart, of course. Giving when you don't have it, and faith is forcefully. Uh, verse number twenty-seven, speaking about in Hebrew all of faith. Verse number twenty-seven, Moses by faith. Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And uh, Moses, for forty years, of course, was in, was in uh, Egypt, of course, and for forty years he. I was in the backside of the desert, and for 40 years he led the children of Israel, 120 years. Uh, he 40, the last 40 years he was in the wilderness. But he was he, faith is persisting when you don't feel like it. There had to be some tough days in, in Moses' life when he didn't feel like serving God, but he felt he served God anyhow, of course, persevering, persisting. Enoch persisted. He had some bad days, I'm sure. Noah had some bad days. Abraham had some bad days. Anybody here have had some bad days from time to time? Of course, we all do, don't we? Well, we persist through our our bad days, of course. And then number five, verse number 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Notice number five, uh, what is faith? Biblical faith involves thanking him before I receive it. And uh, the children of Israel, they walked around the walls of Jericho, of course, and they, they, they shouted for victory in Jer- Joshua 6, verse 20. Before the walls ever fell, they, they shouted for victory, and God gave them the victory. David prophesied when he went down in that valley, and he prophesied he, to Goliath that he was going to take his head off and kill him with a, of course, he had just a sling, he had no sword in his hand, and you know the rest of that story. But he said before that uh, The Bible says that these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so biblical faith is believing when I don't see. It's obeying when I don't understand. It's giving when I don't have it. It's persisting when I don't feel like it. Number five, it's thanking him uh, before I receive it. And then number six, look at what it says, it says, in verse number thirty-five, it is: "Women received their dead and raised to, to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection." Not everybody was delivered. Walking by faith, uh, sometimes it doesn't things don't turn out the way we we want. We think they should turn out, but we trust in God even when we don't get it. Is faith, and uh, we we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, uh, areas, we, we have areas where we need faith in. We need faith in our finances for sure. We need faith in that God can work miracles and uh, God can restore relationships, of course. And faith is seeing the invisible, believing the incomprehensible, hearing the au- inaudible, feeling the intangible, expecting the impossible, and hope the imperishable. Imper- We walk by faith. If you're here this morning and you've not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I wanted you to know by faith. If you just believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And you need to exercise faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As a Christian, the Bible tells us that we're to not only be saved by faith, but we're to walk by faith. And so walking by faith determines God's power. It discovers God's solutions. It defines my prayer life. It directs my future and delivers God's, God's miracles. Now let's walk by faith. So now, now faith is the substance of things, so for the evidence of things not seen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, help us to walk by faith, we pray. Lord, I pray for Christians that, so dear God, we're saved by faith. Every Christian here is, that is a Christian was exercised faith, and for by grace we're saved through faith, and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that any man should boast. But Lord, we're called to walk by faith, and live by faith in the good days and the bad days. We're to trust you, and we're to have to have a worshiping faith and a sacrificing faith, a, a working faith and, and a willing faith and a walking faith. Lord, help us to walk faithfully day by day, and we'll thank you for it, Lord. Pray bless in our moments of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.